Hello, divine, beautiful souls. This is Katriel, your host for Energy Speaks Podcast. We have a very special guest today. Her name is Kayla Drake. Welcome, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Are you related to Sir Francis Drake by chance? Absolutely. For reals? <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and we begin. <laughs> I actually work on a pirate boat right now, so it's oddly fitting. Piracy's in my blood. Really? Yeah. Okay, please tell us a little bit about yourself, because clearly I miss some stuff in between. <laughs> okay, so I guess to start, I, um, I was born in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and then I've been moving around most of my life, and I recently graduated from Eckerd College, which is exciting. I ended up with... Positive. Yeah, <laughs> I ended up with major in ancient studies and minors in philosophy, psychology, and environmental studies. So I've dabbled in a little bit of everything, and essentially my studies end to come tend to come back to the idea of humans and the questions that humans have been asking themselves for, I guess, since the beginning of time. And that seems to come back to the idea of what it means to be human, and how we can live our best human life. So the idea of ethics and metaphysics, what is most real and how we can live in the light of that, as one of my professors would say. Ooh, that's cool. I love that. Wow. Um, so, wow, you just graduated from <laughs> Eckerd. Like, so with, with what, what do you have planned? Like, That's a great question. (laughs) 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 Um, Currently, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm working on deciding what my next step is and where, well, where the energy takes me. I guess so. Piracy for now. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I decided it would be fun to work on a boat before I leave Florida, because living by the water and being able to really appreciate the water and what it can bring to us and how healing it is, I thought it would be cool to experience that and then also open some doors for future boat traveling, if you will. Oh, wow. And being a pirate is fun. <laughs> Seriously? Do you work on the Clearwater Beach pirate one? No, not the one in Clearwater. It's actually at John's Pass. So it's the pirate ship at John's Pass, and they also have a dolphin boat. So it's been fun. Okay, like, do you get a costume and everything? I've actually been in the process of making my own costume, which has been fun. Ooh, please do tell. <laughs> um, so thus far, I have a hat. <laughs> I have a hat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then just a couple of sort of authentic piratey type things. Although technically, we can't wear what historically would have been worn because it's hot in Florida and we're True. on the ships for 12 hours a day. So, you know, yeah. but we make do. So, like, um, do you have, like, a, uh, a name for yourself when you're on the, on the boat, like a pirate name? Not yet. I've been trying to decide if I want to incorporate Sir Francis Drake and use my last name. <laughs> or if I want to use my first name and go with something like Keel Hauling Kayla. <laughs> I was just hearing the Drake thingy in my head <laughs> before you said that. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, so that's that's my summer job, but hopefully after that I'll be moving on to perhaps the Peace Corps or some way of 
spreading knowledge, um, encouraging folks to find knowledge, any sort of work that will make a tangible difference in people's lives. Mm. You know, it's it's funny because I've now had, I guess now four beings who have come from <laughs> Eckerd College on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Steo, Mitchell, Liat, and now you. Those are going to be such good episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just very interesting to see, you know, how, like, um, when you go to college, you know, what you study and everything, and then what that leads you into, you know? Like, you know, d- does it, do they make it to where, like, I never finished, so <laughs> I don't know this part of the puzzle piece. But do they have, like, some type of integration where you can kind of, like, you know, have some support on figuring out what the heck you're going to do with the degree you have? <laughs> not, not as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to add that job. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But I, I think that's some of the fun is being yeah. able to decide where your intuition will take you and where your life is leading. The best way to do that, and what I'm currently working on, is deciding how your motivations, where you draw your energy from, how you can align that with your actions and how you can find some sort of way of existing in this world that aligns with who you are as a person. That's the best way to find meaningful work. I like that. So, like, when you wake up in the morning, what what do you feel like that aligns your soul? That's a great question. I would say... For me, that's experiencing the human condition, trying to, to the best of my ability, understand and experience being a human. And the biggest part of that, I would say, for me is learning from experience and trying to integrate all of the different parts of myself and my experience into a cohesive whole Mm -hmm. of a human. I love that. Like... I, I can I can li- I can really see you doing well in like the Peace Corps or uh, something to that effect. You know, um, I can't remember what the other one is called, but um, <laughs> AmeriCorps or something yeah. like that. Um, like, it's so interesting. You know, like when when you're studying, you know, subjects and looking at different time periods and how much has changed. And looking at connection, you know, between, you know, other souls. Like, how does, you know, conditions change uh, that connection, you know? Or does it at all? Like, what what is, from what you've studied at Eckerd, like, what's your take on that? I would say as much as we need to acknowledge what has changed and how conditions affect that, it's just as important to acknowledge what remains the same. Because I would say that there is some common thread of truth and commonality to what we experience as people. And it seems that if you trace that back with time, you can see, you can you can get even more of an authentic feel for that the farther back you look. But as we've come to as we've come to accept science as a way of understanding the world, we've sort of alienated ourselves from the embodied existence and from the embodied experience of being human. 
So it seems to me that in our modern day and age, we're sort of experiencing a crisis of alienation, particularly from some some understandings that we would have been able to more more clearly understand in the past. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so, like, uh, when, what? I actually been wanting to ask you this. <laughs> How did your thesis go? Okay, so because I feel like you have some <laughs> nuggets of gold that are in that. Yeah, that was a very fulfilling experience to be able to have free reign of my own sort of educational project and product. And the the gist of what my thesis ended up being was exploring how Plato has been interpreted by modern scholars and that has left a sort of legacy of... Well, what I I addressed was Plato's, Plato's legacy being mythos and logos. So as we've moved forward in time, we've taken that legacy out of proportion and used the idea of logos to entirely eradicate mythos from our understanding. So in some sense, if we, if we use Ken Wilber's wording, we can, we can say that we have transcended but not included myth as a way of existence for our for our modern times. And in doing so, we've sort of forgotten a fundamental part of how we exist. So what I ended up proposing as a solution to that problem was a dialectical synthesis between myth and logos. So a sort of remembering that myth and fact are, though we, we consider them opposites, they are the same in kind, but they only differ in degree. So they fundamentally rely on each other, and when we create the sort of false dichotomy between them, we're losing a fundamental part of what we can understand using them. So like, you know, back in Greek times, it was their culture to have this myth, you know, like these different stories, and that really shaped, you know, society around them. And even moving forward with, you know, um, these major ideas and philosophies, um, like, how, how to put this, like, those, those myths, um, like, like you said, they works, it works with the logos, right? Would you say, like, I'm trying to think of what I want to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. Because there's a lot of complexity to stuff, but at the same time, it's so simplistic, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. Um, It's, I feel like in, 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 at least in life, we, we tend to complicate things. Absolutely. And that's, sorry. No, you go ahead, please. (laughs) That's something that I addressed in my thesis is the idea of, the abstracting and alienating power of labels and categories. And so the farther we've come with language and the more abstract language has become, the more we've become alienated from the meanings 
the actual physical, tangible meanings of the words that we're using. And so they get lost in a sort of abstract world, and a world of pure thought, almost. And I think that's part of the issue that we've, we've come to be immersed in, in our modern time, is overcomplicating things, over-intellectualizing things, and forgetting that there is still a subjective element to our existence, if you will. Yeah, you know, it, that sparked something when you just said that. Um, one thing I like to often go back to is words, and <laughs> ironically, <laughs> apparently that's where we're going is the dictionary oh, today. <laughs> word. <laughs> <laughs> we were joking before the podcast because she looked at her co-star today. Which I never do, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> and it happened to say pro- pros, was it? Yeah, it has a list of do's and don'ts, and on the list of do's was podcasts and dictionaries. So here we are, talking about words. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, words in general, like, how many meanings there are. Like, for instance, in the Greek, how many different words for love? Quite a few. It's like eight, right? About, yeah. Like, and they all mean different things. Because, yeah. like, you know, I feel like in today's society, we are losing the meaning to words. Like, the potency. Absolutely. Um, there's, a, there's a book that I would recommend on this subject. It's, I believe it's called Poetic Diction, A Study in Meaning by Owen Barfield, I believe. And he addresses the way that in cultivating this sort of language, we've lost, we've lost touch with the poetics and the actual authentic meaning of a lot of the words and language that we use. Right. And like, we don't even realize how powerful words are sometimes. I mean, I was actually on the way over here. I was listening to some music and, um, I, w- I had my, my Jewish music on. <laughs> and it's funny because it, it, you look at culture, right? All right, so I have several different songs on this playlist, some that are more aligned to um, Reform Judaism, and you can tell. Why? Because they'll say the entire prayer out. But when you get to um, you know someone who's probably more aligned to conservative or even orthodox um, in the song, it will say Baruch Hashem, and it's because that they're reserving the name of God within their personal prayer, not just the song. And I don't think there's a right or wrong to it because it's all about perspective and, and intention, right? Um, but it goes to show you how powerful like words are and how we use them. And are we, are we building up by them, or are we tearing down? What are your thoughts on that? Well, just in general, when we think of the power of words, what that makes me think of is magic. And magic from the very beginning of its existence has been about the words and how the words are intertwined with the meanings. And with rather than there being the word and separately the subject that it represents. In the beginnings of language, we had the word and 
the word didn't just represent the thing. It was the thing, in essence. So there was no distinction between what we said it was and what it was. And so I think that is where the power of words initially started. And we've sort of lost touch with that as we've we've come to understand words as representative of an object or sig- signifying an object rather than just being the object. So I think in that sense, language as we know it has changed a lot and lost a lot of its potency, as you said. Yeah. I mean, uh, what do you... What do you feel like, you know, in today's society, how we can kind of reform or, or, or shift things to highlight the, the essence interwoven within our words? How do we go back to that? Well, I think, I think going back is not necessarily the right wording. Obviously, we need, we need to move forward. Totally. From the point that we're at. Yeah. And, I mean, naturally, history moves in cycles. But I think in, in moving forward, we need to find a way to, to get back in touch with meaning as individuals and as a collective. So there's a philosopher, Leo Strauss, and his, he warned us about the dangers of relying entirely on the objective or the scientific ways of understanding so what he said was that when we rely only on the objective, there's no way for us to create meaning. And so we resort to things like nihilism. He has a long list of other isms, but we'll stick with nihilism as the primary one. So we have lost our sense of meaning and our sense of orientation in the world. And so I think to reincorporate that into language as we're talking about, we really need to reincorporate the subjective with the objective and find a way to find that synthesis and that harmony between those two ways of knowing, if you will. As you were talking, I kind of feel like I was seeing, like I was seeing like nature and like plants <laughs> and this process and, and how like obviously everything communicates and um even plants like we the even the power of thought mm-hmm. like what that gives off and like i don't know it's just something so beautiful about looking at like plants and animals and how the dialect is or the communication is and then get to humans and it's like huh you know we're we're such complex creatures but so simple at the same time like we were going back to like i feel like you know it's we have all these different layers like shrek (laughs) 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 like onions like onions (laughs) you know and it's like it's sometimes we have to we have to move through them. And I think that's the beauty of all of these different layers. We're, s- we're revealing so much. And, like, we, we 
that allows us to discover, you know, uh, and just how energy even works, like, with the human. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It, it is a very beautiful thing. Yeah. And I guess when I when I think of layers, the, the layers of being human that you mentioned, yeah. what I think about is how, especially in the New Age community and the spiritual community, we, we tend to overlook certain layers that we don't want to acknowledge. We tend to repress certain parts of ourselves. And when we do that, we are, we are rejecting the authenticity and the wholeness that we could be embracing. Mm. So I think an example or an idea that, that goes well with this is Carl Jung's idea of the shadow. Mm. So... The shadow is the parts of ourselves that we deny or we repress. And in the process of denying and repressing them, we lose our we lose our wholeness, our unity, which is something that Carl Jung always wants us to regain. But in order to do that, we have to confront the darkness. We can't live in this perpetual garden, this ignorant state of love and light. What we need is to embrace our shadow and understand how these these negative aspects or these aspects that we perceive as negative can actually be positive and they can actually bring us more vitality and more more life, if you will. And so I think particularly within the spiritual community embracing the shadow and understanding that if we don't control the shadow it controls us that's just another part of embracing and peeling back those layers of being human so how for you have you like seen your shadow and how has that allowed you to move through things and illuminate you know the the beautiful qualities of you the beautiful essence of you I think I think like many people in this in this society in this in this age I have been guilty of repressing my emotions and turning more towards logic as a way of understanding life and understanding the world and so in the process of turning towards logic I entirely dismissed the emotional parts of myself which is the soul of the human condition um, and so by, by rejecting those, I learned that I was living a sort of apathetic existence that wasn't allowing me to fully be human. And so part of my journey has sort of been learning to reconcile the emotional with the rational. And that tied really well into my thesis. So it, it sort of held a very personal place in my heart for that reason. But I think on a collective level, we need to experience that that sort of reconciliation as well. Or like I mentioned, as Leo Strauss said, we will fall into a sort of nihilism, which I, I do think that we have to some extent as a society and almost as a world mm-hmm. because we lack meaning, subjective meaning to orient us. Yeah. You know, this kind of brings me back to um, at one point in time on my journey, 
I um, I I studied I studied it and I I actually went in depth with DBT. Are you familiar with? Uh, I don't believe I am. So it's dialectical behavior therapy. Oh. Um, and it's often uh, used like for uh, BPD or even bipolar. So BPD is borderline personality disorder, and bipolar. Maybe no one bipolar. <laughs> <laughs> and. And what was very interesting on how its approach is, it's it's very much so from the Buddhist mindset. And it's about taking um, the logical and the emotional and finding harmony in between. Okay. And it was such a very interesting practice, you know? It really, it really allows you to just be fully present. Um, I, I will say at one point in time in the book that I was, uh, you know, learning this out of, it even instructed me while I was driving to only just drive, not put on music, mm-hmm. okay? And for me, anybody who knows me, that's a very hard thing to do. And, and sometimes it's even a trigger. Like, it was when I first started driving, my dad said, you can't have the music. I said, wait, wait, What? No, 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 I don't think so. And then I did not drive with him. <laughs> but what's interesting is it's actually peeling back the layers at that point and allowing you to deal what's fully in front of you. And in what arises, like, say, while you're driving, you know? And it allows you to kind of, like, start to ask you questions and probing deeper and deeper and deeper and I don't know it was a very very um, beneficial practice for me Um, you know at that time of course and I mean I still use parts of it but I don't necessarily look at it from the point of view that it was there you know but there's just something about really the key of balance you know yeah especially within the the emotional and the um, in the the mental. It, what's interesting is that's all a part of the solar plexus. Okay. Is, is the mind's not necessarily up here in the, in the brain. Right. And um, it, it's it's like when we reference thoughts, feelings, and emotions, it's all here. And so when we're we're not clear in the soul. Solar plexus. Oh, interesting. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, our, our soul's not um, living to its fullest, in a sense, because we're unclear, and it's allowing for unclear thoughts, um, maybe really interesting emotions, you know, that we may perceive as negative sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I just find that so interesting in regards to, like, just that in general like and how important balance is for the soul and to be nurtured um what is your take on like the soul like especially with all your studies that you you are integrating really you know after coming out of Eckerd and what where where's the depth of the soul for all 
think that's a really interesting question. When I when I think of the soul, I think of vitality. Mm. The the inner spark of wisdom, for example, that's an idea in Gnostic thought. And that's kind of what animates us. And when we think of the word animate, we can also think of the the Latin animus, which is soul. And that came from the, the word to, to breathe life into. Mm. So it's, it's a sort of life breath um, within us. At least that's how a lot of ancient cultures view it. It's, it's what keeps us going. So the soul, whatever, whatever form that is, whatever, however you view that, the soul is something to be contemplated, to be, how do I say this? To be, you should sit before yourself and contemplate who you are and why and get a deeper sense of your experience as a human, I would say. So something something that you mentioned with the silence of DBT, that sort of silence, driving in the car without listening to music, that, that, that sort of embracing the totality of an experience, that is the silence that we sometimes need in order to address ourselves, to sit with ourselves and really think and wonder and introspect. And I think that's fundamentally what is missing in our culture because consistently everything that we do is to distract ourselves, to avoid sitting and thinking and addressing ourselves. Wow. You know, that just took me through the whole year of COVID, to be honest with you, (laughs) because it, it is very, very true. Like, we we've set up our lives where we're going from point a to point b to point c you know like just continuously keep going and i feel like in regards to covid last year something was different we had to sit there we had to to really take things in and observe our thoughts like sometimes like some some beings could not leave their house, could not leave their room, you know, depending on whatever situation they had. And what was very interesting is how it affected the earth as well. Um, I, I often love to study weather patterns. And I noticed when we took a break from, you know, using, like, <laughs> our cars and going around and everything <laughs> like that, Something shifted within, you know, like we started healing as a planet, both from, yes, from the the earth, you know, and also within ourselves. Even though it was not an easy time for some, it, for others, it was actually a very beautiful time, too. It, it, it's, it really is all about perspective. But, um, you know, I think it, it goes to show, like, 
if we are doing the work for ourselves, you know, like if we're cultivating the the presence within us, the the soul, if we're listening to our body, if we're doing our practice, then like that shifts something. So when we get to the chaos or perceived chaos, it's appearing as beauty, which is totally upside down. But (laughs) this world is kind of totally upside down. It's true. But upside down is only a matter of perspective. Exactly. Is there really a right side up and a upside down (laughs) (laughs) or a side to side (laughs) it's it's all about the way that you look at it it really is and i feel like um you know when i was in school when i like um in elementary school i think they really teach you like your attitude is literally everything did they teach you that in school? Yeah. <laughs> I was never taught that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was taught to sit and listen and behave. <laughs> I had a really good principal in, in Plum Elementary. <laughs> it must be the principal of the matter then. Oh, that was good. That was, I love your puns. That was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> good one. <laughs> <laughs> but like attitude is really everything. You know, if we come prepared, you know, within our being and and we're p- putting in that fuel, that, that filling our cup, then it's, it's all about just being present and, and experiencing the moment and, and, and seeing, and seeing it from a different perspective, a unique perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. And when you said when you said that attitude is everything that reminded me of the hermetic principle that all is mind. Mm. And I think obviously it can be dangerous to fall into the solipsistic idea that everything is created by our mind. But I do think that everything is a matter of perspective and attitude, as you're saying. And everything that we see is changed and altered by the mindset that we currently possess and we do construct our reality to some extent by imbuing it with a sort of life that comes from how we make sense of it and how we make meaning Mm. and I think all of this this sort of discussion that we're having comes back to the idea of cultivating meaning for yourself what what is our purpose? What is our meaning here? Yeah. I do have one question. <laughs> of course you do. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying? Are, are what? <laughs> <laughs> is it is it why? Is that the question? <laughs> no, actually, you said okay. So can you repeat the word, the Latin word for soul? So that is animus, animus. or anima. That is the. Well, that is one of the Latin words. Okay. Okay. Are you familiar with the word animagus? I don't believe that I am. Okay. I really... uh, Dictionary. (laughs) (laughs) Latin, I guess. (laughs) I I really would love to know if there's any relation to... uh, You said animus and animagus. The reason I say so is, of course, Harry Potter. It's (laughs) a thing. Um, The animagus was the... um, 
you know, someone who could transform from, from like, for instance, um, uh, Sirius Black became a dog. Right. Or yeah. McGonagall became a cat. Um, do you find any relation to that? Uh, just us speaking about it. I, uh, the only, <laughs> the, the connection that I think of there is just that the fiery nature of vitality, the fiery nature of the soul, and how fire is transformative. If you look at ancient alchemical sorts of traditions, you see that fire can transform. It can transmutate into, it can transmutate substance into something else. Mm. And so that's that's the alchemical connection I'm, I'm getting. Okay, cool, <laughs> I love that. I love when I can just throw random things out there and be like, <laughs> and you'll have a good answer. <laughs> And it is, you know, fire is a very, very transformative element. And um, I encourage, you know, beings out there to work with the fire element. It, it can be even the spirit of it, you know. What is your spark? What is what is fueling you for the day? And that allows us to really illuminate what, um, you know, what what we're here to do and, yeah. and purpose. Yeah, and... and a sort of a sort of worldview that I've been contemplating and cultivating lately is the idea that we should we should consider our source, whatever that means for you, um, where you draw your energy and your motivation and your intentions from, what fuels you, as you said, that is source. And using that, we should try to understand our unique gift that we can share with the world. So we take source and we create it into a sort of lifestyle, a sort of something that we can share with the world. And we bring that to the collective. We share that with others. And in doing so, we enrich our own lives. Mm. What are some gifts that you, you have that you're sharing <laughs> with the world? That's a great question. <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i'll be here all night <laughs> um i would say that currently i'm trying to cultivate writing i want to share thoughts and inspire knowledge seeking in others so i think Writing is a gift that I hope to share with the world in, in whatever form that might take. I, I once decided to write a blog. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> but if I do, I will let you know. <laughs> well, is there, is there anything that you want to specifically talk about? Like what thoughts are going through your mind that are, you know, have, have fuel Also a great question. <laughs> I think really just exploring and fully experiencing the human condition is something that I've been considering and something that I don't think that a lot of people do. And so personally, I want to be able to invite people to consider their own humanity, to consider what it is that makes them who they are to, I want to invite people to introspect, to think deeply, to question, mm. which again is something that is missing from so much of our culture. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Well, I guess what's interesting is in Jewish culture, you're you're advised to ask questions. <laughs> Keep asking questions. Never stop asking questions. And I really love that. You know, I really love that about, like, I feel, you know, like when I was in school, not everyone's Jewish, you know? Like, so... Like, that was not the approach that was taken within the school system. Right. It was more so you listen, like you said. Um, and there was, uh, you know, of course, there was select teachers that openly was like, please ask me questions. But even if there was a teacher, you would still, you know, that, that would say that. You would still have your friends and all these other beings where you could feel self-conscious of even having a voice or even speaking out, you know? Yeah. And and that's the, the I feel like that's the thing that really did not resonate. Um, it's like this very competitive nature in this society. And if we're wrong, then we're ridiculed. But, like, really, were we wrong? Or are we still discovering things? And that's part of the journey. And... I feel like if we took off this, 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 like, so there's spark, right? Like soul, but then there's also like gasoline where, you know, it's so like, you know, in a sense toxic to where like we need to start like smoothing that stuff out (laughs) and being like, all right, okay, we're all discovering things we're Mm -hmm. all on the same path here not like specific same paths but we're all doing this as a human experience and when we can come to that like plateau of just realizing that i feel like the world can shift majorly Mm -hmm. you know because then we're all at equal footing you know like yeah we talk about you know equal footing on finances and all these things Great. Let's get there at a soul level. Right. And I think I think that comes down to the fact that this society in particular conflates meaning with material. Mm-hmm. So material wealth is taken to be the only way to the only thing to pursue, the only way to create a life that is what you want. And so I think when we make that crucial mistake of thinking that material wealth is the only type of meaning, we tend to use our vitality in the wrong way. Like you said, the uh, the pool of noxious gasoline, if it's not <laughs> used correctly, is going to create contagion sort of competitiveness that isn't really productive. And so if we can harness our vitality and use it in a sort of productive way that aligns with what we find meaningful, then individuals are going to be a little bit less lost. I think that most people we see are sort of struggling for meaning right now, at least in the United States, because all they've ever been taught is that money is meaning, but it's it's not. <laughs> and that's why it's really important to really figure out, like really, again, going back to soul searching and realizing what are your values? What are your core principles in And life? not just the principles that you took from society. Mm, That's yeah. the issue is we have to differentiate ourselves 
from the culture or the cultural milieu that we were raised in. And most people don't ever get to that state. Agreed. Agreed. Like, you know, if we, (laughs) if we would stop for a moment and, and stop looking at the person, you know, over there and trying to beat them to something, you know, always competing and we realized we asked what are you working towards like asking those questions what are you working towards and maybe we can work on that vision together or how can i how can i be of service to you how can i hold space for maybe your personal journey and i think that's that's a really interesting point especially if we consider the sorts of friendships and relationships that we want to cultivate in our lives, they should be friendships that are beneficial to us, whether that's to our mental space or to our our intellectual space. We should bring out the best in the people that we're friends with, and that's not the sort of friendships that I usually witness. So I think that's another area that we need we need to work on, we need to alter. And I'm very grateful for our friendship, you know? <laughs> like, I, the fact that we can come in here and have this dialogue and it, you know, like, be honest with you, this is how I construct the podcast, guys. <laughs> <laughs> little secret. <laughs> I have no plan. <laughs> we just have a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes it, you don't know what to say. And it can be uncomfortable. But... You keep flowing through that energy because sometimes life is uncomfortable. That's true. And that's okay. Because there are several moments in this podcast alone that I I had a lot of thoughts just swirling. And I didn't know how to necessarily put them in a format where I could ask a question. Yeah. You know? We're not always able to articulate the ideas that mean most to us. Exactly. And that's okay. That's part of our experience is trying to learn and grow and understand what we're feeling so we can articulate it. And the process of articulating it to others helps us understand ourselves more in the process. True. Truth. Truth. True. (laughs) (laughs) I I went deep. (laughs) I'm going there. (laughs) Are there any other ideas you'd like to share with us? I'm clicking because I'm thinking. That's okay. Mm. I'm holding space. (laughs) See how this works, guys? (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that I just keep thinking is I'd I'd like to challenge our podcast listeners to really explore ideas, really explore your own values, your own principles, understand not only who you are and how you act, but why. And consider that question, what is most real to you? And how do you plan to live in the light of it? Mm, I love that. Wow. Credit to Professor James Getchett Eckert for that question. Ooh, I love <laughs> it. Yes, yes. Wow. I, I, I'm going to take that in. You know, like we're we're all soul searching. Even though we may have an idea 
of, you know, what we're here and, and doing, you know, it's always still good to ask those questions and, and keep asking those questions. Yeah. The day that we stop asking questions and we stop learning, we've died. Exactly. Because essentially to to learn is fundamentally human, especially to learn from experience, to learn from our mistakes. If we can't learn from our mistakes, we're living in a sort of endless loop with no direction and no new intake to be able to adjust our actions. Were you listening in on our last podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love this. (laughs) It's so great. It's just how collective thoughts are. It's beautiful. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for for coming and and having this beautiful human experience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I thank you listeners um, for listening to Energy Speaks podcast. Thank you all divine, beautiful souls and um, keep listening. And if you would like to please subscribe, it really helps out. Um, you know, for the podcast and keep doing these. And yeah, thank you so much. Uh, This is your host, Katriel, over and out.